Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. This morning we are wrapping up a series that we've been doing called Mythbusters. And for the first three weeks, we were looking at some of the most commonly held uh, misperceptions that people have about God, faith, religion, uh, from the perspective of people who are outside the faith. Uh, for people who maybe look at Christianity and, and don't fully understand it and have these ideas and these thoughts about Jesus, about uh, what it means to be a Christ follower, all those things. But today, today I want to look at one that is probably the most commonly held and most pervasive myth that is held by Christians. There are people who would, who would hold to a faith in Jesus Christ, but they're not a part of any church body. Uh, they're not involved in any regular worship gatherings. They're not committed to any ministry. And it kind of goes like this. I'm a Christian, but I don't really need a church. I'm a Christ follower, but, but I really don't want to be tied down to a church. I believe in the, the universal church, that we are all Christians. We are all believers. We are all part of the big church. Don't tie me down to any commitment to any individual local gathering. These are what I call freelance Christians. <laughs> the most alarming thing about this is that these people who say these things consider themselves to be Christ followers, but they're not following Christ's directive. They would consider themselves believers in God, but they have no idea what he is up to in this world. Because Ephesians 3 tells us God's purpose in all this is to use the church, to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all. This was his eternal plan. This wasn't a made-up thing later on. This was from the beginning. His eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says, this is it. It is the church. And the Bible is very, very clear about this. Every Christian needs community. Every Christ follower needs to be in fellowship. And every believer is called to contribute to God's work in this world. And he does it through the church. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand the nature of Christianity. You don't understand the purpose of the church. Because it's all about what God is doing in this world. And so today I want to kind of bust this myth that I can be a Christian, but I really don't need to be a part of a church. Because if you think that way, you don't understand what God's doing in this world. And you don't understand what it means to be a Christian. Ephesians chapter 4. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians, this whole letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church is all about the church, God's new society, what God is doing in this world. And in chapter 4, he writes then these words. This is the application. After three chapters of talking about this theologically, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over and through and all in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why he says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Verse 11. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He's saying it's all about the church. You need to be a part of a church family. Anybody who calls himself a follower of Christ has to be a part of a church family because without a church family, without a church family, you will never fully become the person God designed you to be. You never will. You will never become that person. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this gap. Remember the gap with the rubber band, okay? The difference between the person that I currently am and the person God designed me to be, okay? And, and that there is this gap, that there's this pull of God from who I am currently to the person that he designed me to be. That's what God's doing. Now, that was two weeks ago. Anybody in the last two weeks managed to close that gap? Just show of hands. Anybody just in the last couple of weeks, you know, you know about the gap, and you know, didn't you close it by now? See, the whole deal is this. There is a life to be lived. There is a life to be lived. Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. It is a transformed life. It is a life that is changing from the person that I currently am to the person that God designed me to be. It is life with God. Next month's series, we're going to be talking about what that life looks like. We're going to take a little bit of time to look at that in more, in, more in depth. But, but Jesus described it this way over in John chapter 15. This is what Jesus said. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches picked up and thrown in the fire to be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his, master, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. 
This is my command. Love each other. Now, where do you learn that? See, the essence of this new life is love. That's what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. This is my command. Love each other. He said it three times. (laughs) He wants us to get the message. This life with God is all about love. And spiritual maturity is not not defined by how much you know. It's how well you love. And that's why from the very, very beginning, we determined here at Northgate that we were going to be a church. If we did nothing else, we would learn how to love because that's the essence of the life that he's called us to. And if we do nothing else, that is the thing that we will work on all the time. What it means to live in this grace and to show grace to one another, to learn how to love. Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's the acid test. That's it. And from the beginning, that's what we said. As a church, if we do nothing else, we will learn how to love. Because the church is the incubator for that to happen. Now, how many here grew up in a family? This is not a trick question, okay? How many here grew up in a family? Okay, now let me ask you, in your family, in your family, were you in a family that never had a disagreement Never had an argument that everyone willingly chipped in and did their chores without ever being asked. That the children always obeyed. That they got along perfectly well with each other and shared everything they had with one another. And the parents never disagreed, never had an argument, and never ever disciplined their children in anger. Anybody grow up in a family like that? No. The church is God's family. And in God's family, we have disagreements, we have arguments. We don't always do our chores. (laughs) We don't always get along. But we are the family. See, the way that you learn love is in a family. Your family wasn't perfect. But it was in your family that you learned how to get along. It was in your family that you learned how to love. And it may not have been done perfectly. And you may not have gotten a lot of really good lessons at it. But in the essence of it, it is in the family that you learned what love is all about. And so it is with the family of God. We are part of his family. And we will never become the loving people that we are supposed to be if we are not a part of a church. And so many people become a part of a church and somebody says one thing to offend them or kind of get them a little ticked off and they leave and they go to another church and they're there for a couple of weeks and somebody there ticks them off and they go to another church and they go round and round and round and they're constantly moving from church to church to church and they don't realize the problem is them. Because the problem is all of us. And it's only when we're in family that we learn how to love. Because you see, in a family, you're stuck with each other. <laughs> how many wish at some point in your life as a child, you wish you were a part of another family, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm running away. I'm going to my uncle, uncle Wynn. He's got a better family. They do more fun stuff than I. They don't, they don't punish like my dad punishes. I want to be with Uncle Wynn's family, you know? You're stuck with each other in family. And so you learn in that context, to love. Because we are called to live a life of love. And these are the characteristics. Paul writes about them in Ephesians 4. Here's just a few of them. Be completely humble. 
Humility is a surrendering of my self-importance. That I think of others more than I think about myself. That I'm not constantly evaluating and comparing myself and where I fit in the pecking order with the people around me. And gentle, sensitive to the needs and the hurts of those around me. Be patient, willing to give each other time and room to grow and learn and even fail. Bearing with one another in love. That we have a tolerance for one another. And a concern for one another. See, this is the character of a Christian. These are the characteristics of God that he wants to reproduce in our lives. And you cannot learn any of these things in isolation. You can't. It is impossible to be humble when you're all by yourself. It is impossible to be tolerant and patient when you're all by yourself. Because the only way you learn those things is when you are put with people who drive you crazy. (laughs) You only learn humility when you were with people who are better than you. (laughs) That's why God designed the church. And it's not always pleasant. But without a church family, you will never become the person that you were called to be. And without a church family, you will also, you will never experience community the way that God intended it. You will never experience community the way God intended it without the church. Because, because community requires commitment. Community requires commitment because community is hard work. It's something that we long for and yet we have a hard time with at the same time. And that's why Paul wrote, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Not if you've got the time, if it's not too much trouble, if it's not so inconvenient, would you please give a little bit of attention to? No. He says, make every effort because it takes effort. It is something that you have to determine to do. And it is a combination of the work of the God's Holy Spirit, His power at work within us, and our determination to hang together with each other. That's what he says. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That there is this combination. As God is at work in us, as His Holy Spirit is changing our lives, we also make a determination to hang tough with each other and not give up on each other. To make every effort. Because the truth is, this idea of community stems from God himself. It comes right from God's very nature. Paul writes, there is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That is the essence of the Trinity. God in three persons, one in three, three in one. Don't ask me to explain it. I don't have near enough time, and I don't even understand it. But he is. He is perfect in love and unity. And Jesus invites us into that fellowship of unity. He said to his disciples, remain in me, and I will remain in you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. What is he saying? He's saying, you are in on this now. 
You are welcome in to remain with, to hang with, to take up residence with. That we are now part of this fellowship of unity. That we are part of this vine. And in the same way that we are united to the vine, we are united to every branch in the vine. That is God's design. It is community. He says there is one hope. I didn't put it in there. One hope. (laughs) It's not in your outline. One hope, one faith, one baptism. He says in response to the oneness of God, this is the oneness of you as community. That, That you're together in this whole deal. The church is God's expression of community here in this earth. John Ortberg writes it this way. To gather together in Jesus' name means to relate to other people with the same spirit of servanthood, submission, and delight that characterizes Jesus in the Trinity. A community of loving people is God's signature. This is the wisdom of God displayed to all through the church. The embodiment of his life-giving relationship in each and every one of us. A number of years ago, I picked up a book. A little book called The All Better Book. Um, and it's, it's a real interesting book. Um, it's put together by a gal named Susie Becker. And what she did was she just posed questions for kids to get their answers, you know, to see their solutions to the world's problems, okay? So here's a couple of them. Here's the question. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Kalani, age eight. People should find lonely people and ask them their names and addresses. Then ask people who aren't lonely their names and addresses. When you have an even amount of each, assign lonely people and not lonely people together in the newspaper. Very organized young girl. Max, age nine. Make food that talks to people when they eat. For instance, it would say, how are you doing? And what happened to you today? Sean, age nine, we could all visit one lonely person each week. Matt, age eight, we could get people a pet or a husband or a wife and take them places. (laughs) Caitlin, age nine, if they don't feel like they're pretty, you could say, you're a lot prettier than a person I know who has big bulgy eyes. (laughs) Tiffany, age eight, give them some hug bubbles and love them very much. This one, Brian, age eight. Sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. With billions of lonely people in this world, somebody ought to have a way of changing that. God did. And his plan is the church. It is God's answer to loneliness. Honest, authentic caring relationships. Paul wrote about it this way in Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. That we have the kinds of relationships where we can speak to each other honestly and be authentic with one another and open up our lives and share with each other. Now, that does not happen in one hour, one day a week. It doesn't. 
And so there's an element that we have instituted here at Northgate from the very, very beginning that people get involved in a small group, in a community group. Because you need this. The kind of relationships that God designed for the church doesn't happen for one hour on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. It happens when you get together in smaller clusters of people caring and sharing for one another. It happens when you're in a group of 10 or 12 that you do life together. And that doesn't happen overnight, but you make a commitment to it. The small group that I have been a part of, I've been a part of now for almost five years. And, and for the most part, the group is the same. We've had added people, we've lost people because of schedules and all that. But these are people that I can talk about the stuff that I can't talk about with most other people. And it's a group of people that I trust. Because, you know, when a pastor starts saying stuff about things that he's struggling with, a lot of people go, ah! <laughs> But I got a group of people who pray for me, who care about me, who know my ups and downs. And if you're not part of a community group, you are missing out on a fundamental aspect of the life of the church. And if you're not a part of a community group, you can get in one. In fact, in a couple of weeks, there's an insert in your program. We have a group link event being planned for just in a couple of weeks. If you would just fill this thing out and say, hey, I'm interested, and then show up on the 17th, we will help you get into a group of people. And maybe you will click, and maybe you won't the very first time. Maybe you did a group link event before, but you never really got connected up. Try it again. It's like, you know, you don't go to a dentist and, and you don't like what he did, so you say, I'm never going to a dentist again. You find another dentist, okay? Get into a group. Maybe you experienced community in a small group before, but you haven't been a part of one in a long time. Get into a group. It is absolutely essential to experiencing community the way God designed it. And that's what the early church did. They gathered together for large celebration and they gathered together in homes. They did both. And that's what we need. We need large gathering celebrations where we worship and sing and stomp and clap and all of that and learn together. But we need smaller clusters of 10 or 12 where we can do life together. That's God's design for the church. And you will never experience community the way God intended it if you don't become a part of a church family. And without a church family, you will never fulfill the calling that God has gifted you to fulfill. See, there is this myth about church that most people, particularly in North America, have that the church exists to take care of me. The reason the church exists is to take care of my needs, to watch out for me. And it's, you know, other parts of the world, we don't have this mentality. But in North America, we've got this mentality that the church exists for me. And so we church shop. Nowhere else do you shop for a church. But that's what we do. Does it have the things that I like? Does it meet my needs? Now, the church does help meet your needs, but that is not its primary need for existence. And people who say things like, well, I don't really need the church, are all, they think it's all about them. Now, the church is about the, developing our character, and it is about community. Those are things that we benefit from. But ultimately, ultimately, mostly, mostly the church is about contribution. 
mostly the churches about what I bring to the table, what I have to offer, my part in making it happen. Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Not that you eat much fruit, (laughs) but that you bear much fruit. And I say that, I say that because in every church that I have ever been involved with in my life, every once in a while, people will say things like, I'm just not getting fed. And usually it's people who have been Christians for years and years and years, 15, 20 years. These are the, quote, mature believers. And they say things like, I'm not getting fed. I'm just not getting anything out of it. It really doesn't feed me. Well, take off the bib, get out of the high chair, and start feeding yourself for crying out loud. Because it's not about you. It's about your contribution. You have something to offer. Maturity is this shift, getting away from what I get out of it to what I give to it. Christian maturity is quit waiting to be served and getting up and serving. That's what it means. Because the essence of the Christian life is love. And love is all about giving. To to go to a church or decide to be a part of a church because of what I get out of it is like getting married so I have someone to take care of me. Big mistake. (laughs) That is not the reason to get married. God's design. God's design that everyone contributes. Paul said it is so that we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What is the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Chapter 5 says, who loved the church and gave himself up for it. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It's not about getting, it's about giving. And we live in such a narcissistic culture that it's all about me. We think people want to know when I go to a restaurant. I got to Twitter it so every world can know I went to a restaurant. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? It's all self-importance. It's on the web so people know me. They don't know you. It's all about not what you get, but what you give. Now, in the culture that I grew up, in the church that I grew up, and maybe this was your experience too, that the churches would hire a minister. They would hire a minister. And, and, and so we would hire a minister, and what did the minister do? He did the ministry. You know? He taught the classes, he preached the sermons, he did the study, he ran off the bulletins, you know, he did all of these things. And what did the people do? What did the people do? They sat and watched and evaluated. And boy, did they evaluate. Which always leads to disappointment because that's not the way God designed the church. Saw this a number of years ago, somebody emailed to me this uh, chain letter. 
Uh, dear, Ma- dear church member, this chain letter is meant to bring happiness to you. It does not cost you money. Simply send a copy of this letter to six other churches who are tired of their pastors. Then bundle your pastor up and send him to the church at the bottom of this list. <laughs> In one week, you will receive 16,436 pastors, and one of them should work. Have faith in this letter. Do not break the chain. One church broke the chain and two weeks later got their old pastor back. (laughs) That is not how God designed the church. God designed the church that every member has a contribution. Every member is gifted. Everybody has something to offer. Paul wrote, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. That is God's design. That teachers teach and pastors pastor and leaders lead. That's his design. And when we don't do it that way, it does not work work. And I will tell you, folks, we have a long ways to go when it comes to this in our church. Because the truth of the matter is, you have a calling. You have been gifted. You have a contribution to make. You have something to offer. And if you don't, if you don't, Scripture says the whole body suffers. The whole body suffers. Sometimes people say, well, how do I know my gifts? How do I know? How do I know? Is there a class I can take? Is there some kind of test or survey or seminar I can go to? Here's a real easy way to do it. Key to it all. Do something. Do something. And you will discover whether or not it is your gift. Well, where do I start? Start with where you've got a strength. Everybody's got a strength, at least one. Start where you've got a strength or or where you've got a passion, where you've got an interest or maybe where you've seen results in the past or or maybe somebody has affirmed, you know, I see this in you and you're really good at that. Start there because the truth is you can take classes, you can take tests and you can go to seminars, you can do all this stuff, but you will never really discover your gift until you start doing. And that's the way that God designed the church. And without a church family, you will never become the person you were designed to be. You will never experience community the way God intended it. And you will never, never fulfill the calling he has gifted you to do. So can you be a Christian and not be a part of a church? I have a hard time believing that's possible. Now, I'm not saying being part of a church gets you into heaven, but that's not what this is about. This is about living the life worthy of the calling you have received. And the way that that happens, Paul says, is from him, Christ who is the head, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.